This episode is brought to you by Third Eye Cacao. We're so happy to have a brand new sponsor. We want you to support our sponsors because they make these shows possible. Third Eye Cacao is on a mission to preserve ceremonial grade cacao in the world and invite others on a journey from their head to their heart. Cacao is a fruit where chocolate comes from and is one of the most nutrient dense superfoods on the planet. It has been called the elixir of the gods for its ability to open up the heart. Studies have shown that the same endorphins that get released when you are falling in love for the first time, cacao has the power to induce also. It's like the best feeling in the world and cacao has that for you here at Third Eye Cacao. Overall, cacao has the powerful ability to begin any day with intention and ceremony. Use promo code TIMEWHEEL, that's T-I-M-E-W-H-E-E-L, at checkout and save 11% at thirdeyecacao.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. It is the underwear with the dual pouch system. One pouch for one part of the male anatomy, another for the other part of the male anatomy. Not only is the underwear the most comfortable underwear you'll ever wear, but it also has the most stylish designs and patterns. The fabrics actually have a cooling effect when you put them on for the very first time. Your body will thank you because it's one of the hottest parts of your body. So cooling it down with these special fabrics that Sheath provides is a nice experience. The proof is in the pudding. We have a 100% money back guarantee on the very first pair. If you don't like it, we'll send you your money back. Go to sheathunderwear.com, use promo code RPG and save 20%. We appreciate your support. Back to the show. Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheath. A Time Wheel production. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Robert Patton Global Podcast. I'm Bobby the Bank, and I'm here with David Reddish. Uh, we met at a retreat a few months ago, like a men's wellness retreat, where we uh, got to do some some growing. And and uh, is it is that kind of is that what your line of work is primarily? these days you know it's becoming that um partially yeah the men's work and kind of retreat design these sort of wellness um expansive experiences this is yeah. sort of where a lot of my curiosity is um also embarking on a career towards being like a more clinical therapist so i can support other mental health um oh, nice. situations but yeah the men's work has definitely led me to this new path. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're doing clinical, so you're like getting your a degree or whatever so that you can practice in an office also, or apply those principles to like the retreats and things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how it will um, pan out, but it'll be some, some combination of, you know, retreat group work you know, one-on-one kind of office work. Although I'd love to just have people come up to my house in the mountains. I feel like it's more healing than sitting in an office. Oh, for Um, sure. But I want to meet people where they're at, I think is what's really present for me. Here I am. Fix me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, great. (laughs) Uh, I mean, so are you of the kind of opinion or, or like mindset that where you would incorporate maybe like psychedelics with the um, health, the mental health aspect? Are you kind of thinking in that vein? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, definitely part of the work. I'm looking to do this training with innate um, pathways. It's based out here in Colorado. They do, I believe, like ketamine assisted therapy training. 
and cannabis. Um, so I'm going to do, I think it's an eight week program with them. And, um, yeah, just as all those modalities kind of come online to the larger audience and that they're decriminalized and hopefully legalized, I want to be able to offer that for the right patient for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how, cause you take like mushrooms for instance, and it, kind of you end up kind of seeing some seeing the light sometimes or, or finding some issues that you might have been dealing with and maybe finding some answers and then but then you don't have like assisted psychoanalysis to answer or ask questions and and maybe help incorporate those lessons into your what's that called when you like integrate integrate yeah 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 right i mean i for me personally i started doing like solo mushroom journeys a few years ago that then became like a therapeutic release where i would just lay on the couch put a eye mask on nobody would be home and just go into it which was great in the moment but i didn't have any tools or even vocabulary to integrate i didn't even know that word at the time so i think people giving people that awareness is important you know, going on a psychedelic journey is like, like every time is like going on a voyage into a foreign land. Mm-hmm. I think Alex Gray, like the visionary artist, they talk about their art is like cartography for the psyche. Hmm. It's like they're making a map of uh-huh. this experience, right, with their art. But it's like if you don't have the tools or community or you know people to help process the journey and what you saw and what came up, that can be a very lonely place to continue to exist in. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like a couple of, I'll, we'll get vulnerable here and we'll just like, Hey, not so vulnerable. Sometimes I'll take mushrooms and then I'll be like, I'm never smoking another cigarette again. And, and that seems like a typical thing, but then you, after a, week or a couple days or whatever you slide back into your old ways and so that's one thing and then another thing is like we, we all have our um kind of just issues maybe some people are perfect i have i, I guess uh, to be blunt i get jealous you know when and like i don't even like it's so Saying it out loud, I feel kind of like a bitch a little bit, but like I don't, I don't like any dude talking to my wife. I don't give, I don't care. I and to an extent, I mean, if it's just a random stranger, like quick conversation, whatever, that's fine. But I don't, I don't know. I just I get weird with my wife and guys, and I think it might stem from something from like childhood and girlfriend breaking up with me or whatever. And I think I know. It's like I I think I know that where it came from, but then it's still there, and I can't really I don't know how to like fix things. Just being aware of it. Yeah, I think there's um there's this idea of like fixing things about us to be a different version of us, and there's value in that approach, but it's kind of there can be like shame behind that, you know. And then every time the trigger approaches or is right in front of you, you're like going through this process, which for me, I think the goal is to shorten that loop between I'm triggered. I don't like this guy talking to my wife to, I mean, what I got to do something else like this. If my presence is just going towards this discomfort and not anything that's, you know, really good for me, then what, what am I doing here? I'm just, you know, making myself frustrated. I'm the one that's suffering. Right. Kind of type thing. And I know, and it's it, but it is this weird loop that I want to get through. And usually it helps with, and when I talk about it, but then sometimes that can start a fight. And so it's like this, it's like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to fight, but I want to like say something that way we can just, you know, get through it. And then, uh, but it's like a, it can be a double-edged sword in, in, in that regard. And so, yeah, I can relate. I mean, um, my, the dynamic with, with me and my wife, she's very in the masculine, um, you know, kind of more by default and I'm probably more in the feminine by default. Wow, me too. Continue. Which is a rare, you know, of people who write about 
like relationship dynamics and the masculine feminine balance, it's yeah. rarer that it's this way, that the way that we're experiencing. Um, like I think David data is a big, you know, writer in this space. He t- I think it's like 90% to 10 and we're like in the 10% to be more female or more feminine as, as men. And then yeah. seek out, but you want to seek a partner that balances it because otherwise, right. You know, every every relationship can work, but there are some dynamics that maybe are more fluid or easier. And so with us, you know, especially going through the pregnancy, there's been a lot of triggers come up for, for both of us, of course, for her with a whole new introduction of hormones and body changes and so many things. And so there'll be days when it's like, I think the word she used was like, tell me when I'm being crabby instead okay. of like maybe another word I might say. Right. And um, and I'm always kind of like, we hit that moment in whatever day that is, and I'm a little bit nervous to be like, so I'm about to tell her she's <laughs> very crabby, but I'm pretty sure that's going to like kind of up the stakes. But it's like, I need to say this. And then I also need to be able to like walk away from the reaction in a way. I can listen to her. I can respond. But I take it like super personally, you know, if she's upset about something, even if it's nothing to do with me. Like mm-hmm. she's, if she's cursing some customer service person on the phone, she's been on the phone for three hours and it's like still going on. I'm like, I got to get out of the house. I can't. Well, when I see her an hour later, she's like, I solved the issue. We got the refund, whatever. It is. And I'm like, thank God that you can handle that. Cause I'm like, I need to go for a walk with the dog. <laughs> like I, I, uh, you know, I found, I'm finding my, my ways to process, you know, and it's like that loop you talked about. I think as we heal the wound or understand the triggers that we have more, the loop between getting triggered and then getting emotional and then coming back to baseline gets like faster and faster and faster until it's just kind of like you laugh about it happening in the moment and then you like move on with the next thing uh, in life. <laughs> that would be like some Buddha shit, you know? Because like- I think that's the goal. Like you never, the wound or trigger like never is gone but you can completely change the reaction to it. Yeah. That's supposedly. Yeah, the, no, exactly. Supposedly. Um, yeah, it is weird. I used to think I used to get a little bit um, like talking shit of whatever about people that get triggered and stuff. But then it, it, we, I guess we all have some triggers, you know, somewhere deep within us. It's, there's nothing, there's not, one person that doesn't have like a little sensitive spot that might be uh, brought up from time to time. And so I don't know how to, yeah, I can't, I can't go to my safe space because it's all in my head anyways. Yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah. It is, it is like all in our head. There's um, because you brought up like kind of like the Buddhist or like Buddha mentality and, um, recently I went into a Vipassana, like 10 day silent meditation experience, wow. which was like all the plant medicine experiences, all the deep therapy, like consolidated into a 10 day period where you don't really have that therapist or coach or counselor to go, I'm freaking out today. I got to, can we talk today? Like right now? Like, yeah. I mean, you, you can, you can like reach out to one of the teachers that are on site, but the teaching that they're giving you is sort of. You have all the tools within yourself, go back to the meditation and you can work through what's coming up, you know? And for me, it was like all my anxieties around money and failures. And like the first two, three days were just everything flashing in front of me just over and over to the point where I was like, I need to leave. Like this might be doing more damage, you know? Whoa. And then you get for, I got to a point where I like broke through that and was like, you know what? All that shit is here. And it can, it will continue to be here and I can decide if I want to ruminate on it, let it ruin my day. Every time I see like a credit card bill and it's more than I thought it was going to be, you know, this is never going to change unless I just change my mindset around it. Um, and I've definitely slipped back like in that 10 day window. I'm like, I'm not going to worry about money anymore. I'm not going to smoke as much weed anymore. Like I don't need to like use porn or anything like this ever, ever again. And then you like, slip back. And I think I've been learning to forgive myself that like, it's not a linear path to wherever I'm trying to get to. Like really, I'm just trying to enjoy this moment, this day, like have the best life I can. Hopefully that expands into my wife and into our family. And you know, that's the best, that's the best thing I can really do. But I try to be like, right. We try to like, I want to control a lot more. Like I got to make my ego needs to expand outside of just 
what's happening inside of me. Like I need to control my whole life. So everything feels perfect. Mm. It's like, that's, so then there's like this craving for everything to be perfect, or there's this aversion to the discomfort of things not being perfect. And that's this whole approach to just like mindset is, are you craving or are you like averting? And like in day three, I realized like I was straight up in my life craving aversion, which I think oh. is just like as a Jew, it's something that it's just life <laughs> that I'm having to learn to not do. But like, I'll find the problem. Like, yes. like I'll seek the issue to be frustrated on. And I just was like watching my mind do that. Like, this is some psycho shit. There's a Kanye song where he's like, I always find you, always find something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> You've been putting up with my shit just way too long. And it, I'm so gifted at finding what I don't like the most. <clears throat> yeah. So I think it's time for us to have a toast. Uh, yeah. That, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> weed, weed porn, money. It's funny how we're all pretty similar. (laughs) I mean, in a sense, but also not, I mean, because they were so varied from, I mean, because I'm not this six foot tall, muscle bound, macho badass, which there are those guys. And that could be cool. I could see that being cool because you're just bigger and stronger and like that. But I guess I, we all have our own gifts, you know. For and, sure. Um, I, you know, finding that can can be hard sometimes. I, I have a lot of anxiety. I guess we all do, and I do tend to smoke the marijuana probably more than I should. And I was talking on a previous podcast, Louis J. Gomez, like two episodes ago, he runs Gas Digital Network, super successful, and he smokes all day. And, you know, and we, but he's tried to quit, you know, like we all have. And, and he, he was just like, you play the cards you're dealt with, homie. You know what I mean? Like this, I'm, this is my, my bag. I smoke weed. And if I don't smoke weed, I'm yelling at the Starbucks waitress and, you know, so pick your poison do you want to what do you, i don't know yeah i, yeah. I think I, i'm 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 with you on that i think that every being chooses what's going to help them be in a state of peace you know and you know from my like own like maybe overuse of cannabis at times like essentially i hit that wall where it's like this actually isn't solving the anxiety <laughs> you know i have anxiety too that i set out for it to do and so then it's like, okay, so am I just reach for something else or, you know, how do I reconfigure how I'm working with this, this plant, this, this medicine, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a helpful tool and I definitely like go back to it frequently, socially, medicinally, if you will. But, you know, I'm curious to see how it's going to shift now. Like being a new father, like mm-hmm. I, I know right away with the schedule of a newborn, it just isn't going to be the time and space to be like, sorry, babe, I'm going to go on the deck and smoke a joint, but it will get there. I, I know from like family members out there where they're like, it's like a cool uncle or somebody was like, have you, I mean, you've been high with your dog. Like you're bet you're better dad. You're more fun. You're nicer. You're funnier. You're more empathic. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's cool. I, I can feel into that being a, a potential like, future experience with with my daughter like once everything's solid i know what i'm doing a little bit better then i think like that would be a beautiful medicine and someday like down the line when it's time to like share that with her like i'm more than happy to do that in a way that's like bringing whatever awareness i've gained and bad habits and good habits to share you know it's like that's how we evolve generation to generation sharing our good and our bad what i i have a daughter and she's 20 yeah one and she's never smoked weed unless she's lying which i don't think she is because she just whatever she's almost about to graduate college like on time she's about to be a senior she's never even really drank but she'll like sip a beer whatever let me taste that and stuff but i think part of the reason maybe is because i would talk to her about like my own issues with substances whatever it is nicotine 
I mean, I used to do cocaine back in college, but it's addictive. And like, I have an addicted personality, I guess. And so I kind of quell that with weed. Anyways, um, shit. And, but so what I told her though was, I feel like before I smoked weed, cause I kind of got sucked into it a little bit with my friends, you know, like I, and or my, and my older brother. And, but like, I remember my older brother smoked with some super dank, like I had never smoked and we're smoking like California, whatever, Kush. Yeah. In a, and we were at a, a movie, a drive-in movie. We were watching like a Stephen King movie. And I just remember I fell asleep and the next day I couldn't play basketball that well because i was like it just felt like weird and then it did it again a couple years later and or and but then i my some a lot of my friends started doing it and so i would do it and i would always fall asleep until one day i didn't fall asleep and i started playing basketball and i was like just in the flow and in the zone and i was really feeling it so then and then i smoked every day since then (laughs) (laughs) pretty much minus the army and all that but um but i tell my daughter i was i'm like look you're balanced you're happy you're like naturally you all your chemicals are balanced if you introduce this chemical it very especially like let's just say nicotine it's going to throw you off and now you have to use that chemical to stay balanced or whatever um i don't know if it's the same way with weed but it could be and i kind of warned her about that like i'm like look you're happy don't fuck with it yeah good advice yeah <laughs> yeah i'm li- yeah. i'm listening as a, a soon to be dad like that's cuz we are like we have these neurological pathways and once we start introducing new compounds that create that sense of flow stimulation fun mm-hmm. um there is a sense of like becoming de- dependent on it um though I'm, i don't have enough like really deep research on addiction to really say that but you brought up two things that i think are really curious like addictive personality which i could definitely say i have too and then this like f- i feel like this this thing around like curiosity of like smoking weed when you're young right and so like one i just want to like riff on the addictive personality aspect because like people say that all the time i've said it i think i probably have that but it's like what really is that? Cause that's the same thing that drives us to like have a successful business, be a really good dad, like show up for our family, show up for our community. Like it comes from a very similar space. Right. I'm just curious for you, like where, like what do you, when you say addictive personality, like what does that mean? And what are the good and bad things? You know, there, that's um, a, yeah, that's fa- fascinating because it could be applied to work, you know, which, and then that can, lead to success and i think for me it came from basketball like when i was maybe the first time i played or whatever in that competition i that feeling i get when i'm playing is i like that feeling so i chase that feeling and i would play basketball every day for four hours give or take rain or shine in uh when i was like from some from like 13 to 17 or 16 or something actually a little younger than that but it um and but what that did was i think it developed a work ethic in me because i was really bad i kind of sucked like horribly (laughs) so by i had to practice more and more just to be average but again it was more of like i I had a i liked the feeling i got when i played and so i kept playing (laughs) you know yeah Um, do you have an experience like that or yeah i was like thinking about it you know and with sports there's there's like experience of it but i felt like also i i hit this wall around like trying to be better and better and better and i never felt like super competitive in really anything in my life until i started sort of being a filmmaker you know and i've been like making films for a long time and that that seemed to like kind of intertwine with my like ego development, like moving towards adulthood, like coming out of being a teenager and being like, Oh, I found this new thing. And 
people said I'm good at it. And that feels really good to me. Yeah. And, but I was like, I know I'm not that good. I'm, I'm watching Steven Spielberg, Scorsese, whoever. And like, these guys are good. I'm 15 years old, but it gave me something to aim at and gave me like a lot of you know, motivation. And, um, and yeah, there was like an addictive, like, I want to be the best. Like I want to be, I don't I wouldn't say I ever wanted to be like famous, but I was like, I want to be really good at this. I want to be sought after. I want to be, this is what I want to do all the time. This is like my yeah. happy place, you nice. know? And, um, so yeah, I think like that type of addictive personality, like fueled, like wanting more of that affirmation, like that sort yeah. of feedback loop. Right. Um, Interesting. and then, yeah. And then at some point, like my ego started to sort of, I became more aware of like that. It was this driving force that actually wasn't really making me happy. I wasn't really, I was becoming less excited about being a filmmaker. I would remember like in my mid twenties, like being on a set and doing something that like a few years ago, I would have been like, this is amazing. You're like achieving your life goals. And I'm sitting there like waiting for the next thing to happen, like feeling depressed. Oh. Like, all these creative people around me are like, what do you want to do next? Like, what's the next shot? And I'm kind of like, uh, we can do this, you know? And I think looking back, that was burning. It was just burnout, you know, yeah. like the amount of time and energy it took and the mm -hmm. lack of really compensation that I was able to find financially, mm -hmm. like we just started really like draining me to the point of like, I felt like I was sort of disrespecting myself. Um, but then it still took like many years to fully say like, I'm going to step away from this path. Like this isn't the only thing for me here. Mm -hmm. Um, but that addiction to it was strong. Like in my ego, like all the things that came with like being a cool filmmaker. Uh, and then I just quickly like looked back at myself a few years later and was like, that was fun. I'm glad I did it, but so glad I'm in a different spot now that that just wasn't serving me. There, there was no way that could go into my like mid thirties. Like I just wouldn't have made it this far. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that happened with basketball. Obviously I realized I wasn't even five, nine. I'm like, you know, very, not even very quick. I can't even like some guys run the 40 yard dash in like four seconds or less than five seconds. I was like closer to seven seconds. <laughs> and so it just wasn't in the cards, but it did develop a strong work ethic that I think I've applied throughout my like various careers, which again, like we all go through different stages in life. No, I mean, rarely does someone start on this path of being a professional basketball player and then like end that, you know, retiring as an NBA player, I guess, you know, LeBron and a couple, it happens, but those people, those people are, just born there's a it's they're born gifted it's almost like if you didn't play you'd be stupid because you have the body to dominate so sure yeah. i think in like if you were to think back to a time before organized sports like what would those guys and women the superior physical specimens like what would they be doing you know, they'd be like warriors. They'd be mm -hmm. become generals, you know? Yeah. Um, like you just look at them and you're like, physically you're a leader. Like wow. I'm going to follow you because well, for one thing, like I could even like hide behind you. <laughs> yeah. Like you're so much bigger than me. So it's like our modern day equivalent or like gladiators back in the yeah. day. Like it's, 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 it's they did. The, it's well, if you look think about like LeBron's ancestors or I don't know if you, do you follow MMA at all? A little bit, yeah. Because there's this guy, Max Holloway. He was uh -huh. the, form, the featherweight champion for quite some time, and he only lost by like these split decisions. And um, but LeBron and him, for what like if you think about their ancestors, go back five generations or whatever, where they were like tribal, probably chiefs in their tribes as the warrior chief, you know? Yeah. So that just made me like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what, what was Bobby doing in 10 generations ago? Like, it's curious, right? And though your family tree, like I think the farthest I could go back off the top of my head was they, uh, for, at least from my, my paternal side was there like Belarus, like Lithuania, Ukrainian Jews, wow. Um, that the thing I can go back and see is like something about being haberdashers, which I think is like a hat maker, but it's like, 
it's cool to know that. And like pe- people who worked with their hands and yeah. where, what they were doing, where they were living, what, what they were eating, you know, these things like impact us even this many generations further to go, oh, maybe I should be a vegan or actually, wow. you know what? I need meat because yeah. my lineage comes from X line. Um, and, I, and we're really, especially in, as Americans, it feels like we're really detached from our lineage. You know, cause so, cause all of us are immigrants from somewhere, whether it's more recent or not that long ago, like we don't have that long a history of being like, right. we're from here, unless of course you're, you're a native, but right. that's a shrinking population. So it's super curious to know our lineage from like the spiritual aspect, but also like the health and wellness, yeah. even mental, even mental health, you know, there's, there's certain things there that probably come through the DNA, of course. So yeah, it's some curious stuff. I'm curious yeah. to know more about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did an ancestry.com thing. Turns out I am like 11, well, I'm like 11% Native American. The thing with anyone these days is I think everyone's kind of like a mix of something, you know, so, or at least most people in America that I know, I think, maybe not, but it's, it would be hard to track down your ancestry unless you had been like this tribe has been here for a thousand years and now, and there's books and texts of the each family and stories of each generation where it all, there's just all gets lost. Nobody's keep, keeping these records, right? You know, unless right. you were a King or something. I mean, yeah. someone famous. Sure. Yeah. And and maybe it's better that we don't have them in some ways, right? Because they do kind of promote a certain ideology around more like tribal ways of being, which, which has its values, but also, I mean, we see it going on like all around us in in America, like people splitting off into camps, you know, that's a very tribal type thing. And there's one thing if it's like your lineage and it's all, it has a very spiritual backing. And it's another thing if it's just like, this is my political ideology. So like, yeah. is that a reason to like separate yourself from others? It's a dangerous thing, I think. Oh, for sure. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. People need to get off the television and, uh, cause all the, it's all like a distraction. I think it's all theater in a lot of ways. I feel like it's orchestrated and man, meant to manipulate us into staying docile and fight, fight with each other. Don't look at us while we steal all the money. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like fireworks going on over here to distract the masses from like what's really happening. Right. Um, that's actually really affecting them. It's like, of course I want to know if there's a war going on here or if Australia's on fire, but like me knowing that that's happening and me seeing it every day and getting triggered by it every day, that's not needed or natural. You know? No. No, we don't, and, we don't have that expansive awareness to hold all that. It's too much information. It's too, I can't deal with it anymore. I can't barely. <laughs> what do you, so what do you do to like to deal with it or to not deal with it? Very good question. Leading into the next. I'm segment. curious. No, I, I started in, in December of last year. I bought like a transcendental meditation course, which is sounds weird to say it like that. I went to a teacher who tutored me in the transcendental meditation art, which I had already kind of had a really close understanding of. I through YouTube and like, I don't know. Have you heard of transcendental meditation? Yeah. TM. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld does it. This guy, David Lynch, who David made, Lynch. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of other you know, successful people, the Beatles and all these people, um, I didn't want to pay the thousand. It was like, it used to be like 1500 bucks. Now it's, now it's actually on a scale. Like, and you could actually get it for free or like 200 bucks. I paid the maximum, which was $800. Cause I wanted to, I was just like, I wanted to give them a fair price, you know, cause they're, we're, we're doing like an honesty policy here. I can afford sure. to pay the 800, pay the 800. The dude who is the, uh, like the main teacher, of this region lives in Woodland park where I live. He lives five minutes from me. So I would like email TM. I'm like, Hey, I want to take a class. And he's like, Hey, I live like I could walk to his house. And the dude was 90. 
he looked his skin looked amazing he had like he was always like the smile his demeanor and just energy was all just like zen mm. white dude old white dude but he had learned from i guess like the maharishi mahesh yogi point is he recon he like reconfirmed what i knew and then just practiced with me it was only like one time it's like two times or whatever and uh so i got it now i got it and i do it every morning sometimes every afternoon that doesn't make sense but i, I every afternoons when i can not sometimes every because there's that doesn't make, anyways but every morning for sure be, and, and it just so and what really tipped me over the scale on that there's a comedian named tom papa i was listening uh -huh. to him on joe rogan and he was doing it but what he was he said he's like if i ever get a bad night's sleep i know that i always have the tm first thing in the morning and it like balance it corrects a bad night's sleep and i was and i had been sleeping so horribly for years didn't like 10 years and um so i was like let me do this i did it I'm fucking sleeping better than ever, like not than ever, but like in decades. Um, it's so, it feels so good when like to just sit there in that space where like your whole, you're pulsating. I feel like I say that I'm like swimming in a sea of warm universal nectar or whatever, like, yeah. it feels good so if you're meditating and it doesn't feel good and you're like straining or whatever just like you've got to try this because it washes it washes everything away except my super triggery things where it's like fuck i still can't shake that yeah in tm because i know a tm like you have a mantra uh -huh. right okay uh -huh. so and then um when like a trigger comes up right? It was like in the process of meditating. Is it, do you, do you put your awareness on it or are you just practicing to like, let it go like everything else? You always return to the mantra. I, when I'm in a space, I typically, if I do get like triggered or something comes up that I, so I guess that would be a trigger that I need to do. Mm -hmm. I will like stop what I'm doing and just thumb it on my phone and put a note that way I can move on because I can, you can slip back into it pretty easy and it's better for me to write it down so that I don't have to ruminate on it during the meditation. Cause what I'm going for is like a zero space, just nothingness, because that's when you're not utilizing your mind energy to just think of stuff, but you will, you're going to think of stuff. It's, it, it just happens. And then, you will realize you're thinking of something and then you just go back to the mantra and that's, and it's totally fine to do that. Like they say, that's fine. You might fall asleep, but don't be laying down. That's cheating. People that yeah. fucking lay down when there's meditating, that's not meditating. No, it's not. But what I did learn something interesting when I was in the Vipassana, which I'm sure you could do with, with TM or any other meditation technique when you're having a bad night's sleep or you just are like laying there and can't fall asleep, it's like, go to that practice. And even though you're laying down, like you, you may fall asleep, which yeah. is like a good goal, but you may not, but you're resting, right? You're like actually supporting the body and the mind. So even if you don't sleep that night, you'll feel rested the next day because you were like in this meditative place, whether it's like theta waves or delta waves, like whatever's going on there. But I like it. I, I've tried it. You know, I, I can pretty much fall asleep anywhere, anytime. But then, but I, when I do hit those times or nights when I can't, and now I have this, it's super effective. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you, yeah, you did a ten-day meditation retreat, and, yeah. and they instructed you before you started, or what did they? Tell Actually, you? it was well. Let's see. So you, you just you get there, and then like that, you get there in the afternoon, and by that evening um like the the noble silence starts like in your first meditation i think it's an hour long and in the early you know for meditations like the first two three days there's quite a bit of of like lecture or kind of like teaching of the technique um but pretty much you know by that third day it starts to become less and less where they just like there's some there's some chanting 
a little bit of instruction, maybe for like a few minutes. And then for like the next 55 minutes, it's just silent. And once you get to like day four, I believe you are trying to practice this thing called strong determination, where whatever posture you're sitting in, when the meditation starts, like, unless it is an absolute necessity, you do not move until the, the, the meditation ends. And like the physical discomforts that come up from not moving, like my hip would just, I couldn't do it for the, for at least two or three days. I just was like, I'm never going to be able to sit through this. This is just not possible for me. Right. And then at some point I was just so deep in the process where you're getting those waves of energy flowing, like that being in that nectar or that honey, like just mm -hmm. oozing all over you. And it's like, Holy shit, I'm not feeling discomfort. And I just can be in this, like, and then, you know, that ends and you're like, okay, I do feel a little sore, but it's really this teaching of like, everything is impermanent. This word, um, which is like poly, like, um, like Nepal, like poly oh, language, okay. not like polyamorous, just confusing. Uh, uh, yeah. They'll be like, you can come to these courses and we'll teach you poly. And I'm like, well, I mean, well, that's probably valuable, wife. but yeah, <laughs> but not for me, but it's like, um, the word is anicca. And just like impermanence okay. and and you don't really use mantras in this in vipassana style but like you can if you're feeling that pain like just sort of repeating like a nietzsche of just like knowing that this discomfort is coming and passing so that everything is that um but like that's the goal of this meditation like to be equanimous in life like these things are going to happen good bad that you can label them or not Mm -hmm. like this is how you stay equanimous just remember it's impermanent don't mm -hmm. don't try to cling or don't try to like avert just be okay with it you know that like non-dualistic non-duality approach which so valuable i don't know that it's really relevant to us unless we were going to go be monks you know yeah and don't have to worry about anything except meditating all day like once we have to worry about the mortgage and the family and the business and th it's like there's like a, a good scenario and a not so good scenario. And I need to be aware of both so I can make decisions to be in the better scenario. Um, uh, but, but yeah, like the, it's good to take that 10 days and go, okay, cool. Where in my life am I obsessing? And that's not doing me any favors, you know? So, wow. Oh man. 10 days. I had, you should do it sometime. It's yeah. So they, they teach that. Do they teach you though? Like mm -hmm. they don't, they, what do they tell you as far as like how to meditate? So there's, um, there's like a breathing technique, okay. which is like the first three days is really, you're just doing this technique where you're really trying to sense the air kind of coming in and around the nostrils and going out. Hmm. And like, that's it. Like any other sensation in the body, like you, you'll notice it, but you're not focusing on it. You're just focusing on the inhale and the sensations that come and the exhale. First, it's like, kind of from the whole nose, like down to the lip. And then it gets smaller and smaller until just like a little Hitler mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and then once you're like, okay, I get that. Then they're like, here's the next, here's really Vipassana, which is like the body scanning technique where you like start at the tip of your head and you like try to scan through every part of your physical body, feeling it like going around and around and around to your toes and then back up again. And for the first couple of days, you're like, it's so hard. Cause you'll get to here and your mind will get distracted and you'll forget and you gotta like start over. Mm -hmm. But it's like, once you can get flowing from the top to bottom, like really fast, like almost within a breath, like an inhale coming up and exhale going down. That's when you get that like flow state kind of psychedelic thing. For mm -hmm. me, it felt less psychedelic and more like a, like an MDMA or like this sort of phenethylamine where you're just exploding with euphoric feeling in the body which is great because like for the first three days, you're sort of like my hip is, like, is going to break off of my fucking body right now. Uh, like it's crazy how in a, just a couple of days of training and just doing this very simple thing of teaching you, you're like, wow, I can kind of overcome any discomfort. Wow. So it's but, okay. So, the, so they teach you like pretty consistently, but it's like really only like a couple things. It's very basic. Yeah. Where were you? Dude, we were in um, Idaho and like it was in January and like, you know, those micro spike things you put on like your boots, like when you're hiking on uh -huh. ice, uh -huh. like those were on my shoes the whole time I was there. Oh, like wow. everything covered in ice, like 
it was it was quite like an initiation because you're the meditation aspect and being in silence which includes like no writing no reading no like looking people in the eye no gesturing to the other people in that are in the process too you're pretty much just like in your own little bubble existing and then when you go outside which usually would be like some relief like walk in a garden or something beautiful meditate mm-hmm. while you're it's like you're like bundled up. You're like, I'm trying to get from the food hall to my back to my dorm, like as quick as possible. Like, and so it really, it was really tough, you know, in that way. Cause I wanted some release in nature and it wasn't really there. So like next time I'm going to do it, we're going to do it like in the jungle or Sri Lanka or some, you know, paradise, I hope. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. I was going to say Sedona, but then it could be, it can get pretty hot there. Yeah. But it's, it's, um, you know, that was part of the teaching too, is like, it's negative degrees outside. Um, I'm walking to this meditation hall at like five 30 in the morning and like Anicha, like I'm cold and it sucks, but it's, but I'm going to be in there in a minute and I'm going to be warm and I'm not even going to know that I was cold, you know? So it's like, it's all right there. Perfectly presenting itself to you. Yeah. <laughs> you everything know? does pass, doesn't it? So yeah. holding on to, any kind of discomfort or anger. Yeah. One, one thing that's been interesting, I'm curious for you too, with the practicing TM is when I have this meditation practice, when I'm in like um, a deep, like psychedelic type state um, and like, it might get overwhelming or triggers and things are coming up. And like, I can just go back into this like body scanning technique. And it's amazing how, how much that's like opened up the whole like psychedelic experience for me. I, I feel like everybody should get like a good baseline of meditation before like diving into some of these other deeper psychedelic experiences. I typically do just like golden teachers or mushrooms. I've done DMT and other things, but like my go-to is mushrooms. And a lot of people want to go to a party and go outside and, and that's cool. Like going out, not both of them are can be okay, you know, whatever. If you like micro dose to a party or something, I think that's okay. Like full dosing at a party, that's insane to me. <laughs> I think but it's weird. Yeah, outside, cool nature, do your thing. But what you said earlier about putting the sleep mask on and laying down really resonated because the past few times I've done it, I've gone and I have a like a meditation closet. It's just blacked out, and I have a chair there, and I just. I dosed up and I went in there and I got in my meditation sup position and, and just let it do its thing. And there's some, some things are repetitive in for me with mushrooms when, and, and it is the transition. It's not exactly the same, but it's very similar. Every time I'm like going from this plane of consciousness to that plane, the transition, I'll close my eyes and visually I see like spaghetti and toilets flushing and snakes and vaginas are like just morphing sexual, but also kind of like, I guess, bathroom stuff. Um, it's so weird. I don't know why. Huh. It that's my it's like if and I, I feel like it's flushing. And there's a feeling to it too. I'm kind of feeling it as I'm talking about it. It's a weird kind of just fuzzy yeah. kind of transition, but then you're in the next space and then then you're there and they're doing your thing there. Yeah. How long does that transition you feel or like how long do you feel like it lasts? Like 10, 10, 10 minutes or something. Yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I think like I, I get that too with mushrooms, like different imagery, although it's lately and for the past few years, it's been much less visual in that onset um, usually, but there is like, for me, this moment of like, there's a barrier. And I, the last thing I'm last time I remember being very visual was all these faces kind of like African masks and they were scary. Oh. There's just like Whoa. millions of them. It's infinite, all facing me, kind of looking at me. And it was kind of like no words, but it was like, are you coming through? Or are you going to stay here feeling scared? Whoa. I was like, all right, I'm going through. And then it was like, okay, well, that's gone. Oh, now I'm here. Wow. This is, and then like the sort of psychedelic effect really exploded. And yeah, you know, it was, 
which is beautiful. But also for me with, with mushrooms, it's like a lot of ingestion. And it's okay. because of that, like fungi and like the image you're talking about, it feels like it kind of makes you feel a little, for me, it makes you feel kind of gross for that minute. Like yeah. out of my, like not in my own skin, kind of LSD specifically will make me feel like clammy, but like, it's not like that. It, it is like just an awkwardness. It's like that fungi kind of starting to break down in the body and the body's sort of like, I don't know about this. And so I, I have a hard time sort of letting go of some of the physical sensation and just like being able to move into the more like spiritual or mystical like to the point where with mushrooms, I've sort of like really, really stepped away from them. It just can be so uncomfortable. Like I'll want to purge, like I'm on mm. like, a, like an ayahuasca or something, but like and nothing comes up. Cause like all I had was like a couple, like a couple grams of a plant that's gone, that's digested, you know, but my body's like, I don't know, we got to do something with this shit that's in us. And then I got to let go of that <laughs> and be cool with it. And then I can like sit back and really receive the, the medicine, the message that's there for me. But yeah, like it's kind of an initiation every time. Right. Yeah. And I wonder what the message is. Like if you've done it 38 times, uh, you know, it's like, I think it's can still be new um, because you've changed, you've grown and you're getting a new reflection on your life. Uh, one of the most memorable ones I did. I took like a pretty heavy dose of, and re, relatively recently, within the past year, of a. Uh, I hate the penis envy name. It's a weird name of a mushroom, but it yeah. is what it is. So I took that, got like this candy bar, ate it, and I just remember like I was laughing like hysterically and crying like just red faced. I took I took up like pictures of myself because it was so. <laughs> just, I was all over the place when it comes to, and I was, I was like laughing about, I don't even remember. I mean, like I th at the point, I think we were doing really well as a company and we're still doing great, but like, it was like peaking and it was like, we did it, you know, and look mom. And, you know, I was kind of crying at the six, like realization, like I've been working on this for 10 years or whatever. And like, I'm sitting here looking out at the mountaintops over the pine trees on a whatever, uh, like a beautiful spot we've found ourselves and we're very fortunate and, and you, you don't take it, you take it for granted a lot of times, but sometimes just that realization, like, okay, we're doing it, you know, whatever. It really hit me. So that was pretty cool. And, and just laughing. I don't remember what I was laughing about, but things can be funny. I should have, maybe I should have wrote it down, but, um, but like people do it every weekend or some, not every weekend. I don't know if that's true, but some people do maybe. And I some think maybe, do. maybe it's a little bit, it's like, well, okay. I thought it was medicine or, you know, right. And to the point of that, like, but there's some medicines you're supposed to take every day. It's like, but is it really that's typically it's not healing the deep Ooh. issue. It's just treating the symptoms. And so the same could be said for taking mushrooms every weekend. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I've like, there was definitely a time in sitting with like the deeper teacher plants, mushrooms, ayahuasca, where I kind of was like, I think I'm good. Like, I think I've had enough. And like, I kept getting the same message, right. but that that's like where that integration word came in. And then once somebody was like, Actually, I don't know that anyone ever said it, but it was became very clear. I'm not integrating the message. That's why I keep getting the same thing. It was frustrating. Uh, like, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm alone. I'm not. I don't have found my partner because of this, or I haven't made enough money because of this. And it was like every fucking time. Is this really what's going to come up for me? And then it was like, yeah, because it's what keeps coming up in your life. So, and then once I was able to change my perspective on that, it evolved to the next version I was in. Then when I sat with medicine, it was a whole new set of shit mm. that I got, that I get to integrate. And so I yeah. think it's kind of like one of those things, whether you take notes afterward or whatever, but whatever is present for you when you leave that experience to start integrating it as, as quickly and effectively as possible. And once you feel solid on that or close to now it's time to like work with a, with a plant medicine again. Like yeah. in my, from my perspective, like that's the way the tool can be used or now like something very, you know, grief inducing has hit you. Like you've lost a parent or close friend. It's like, I'm going to go to these teacher plants and see what's there because I'm really going through it. And I, 
I'm going to surrender to this point. So they're tools, you know, but if we use it every weekend, I mean, it's just an escape. It's just like, um, yeah. I think it's Jamie wheels term. It's like bliss junkies, you know, mm-hmm. they're just seeking that blissful state. You can do it with meditation too, but it's like, yeah. that's not really the, that's not the whole experience of what we're doing here as humans, you know, that's just I'm, a small part. Yeah. Trying to grow, trying to evolve, trying to reach Christ consciousness, supreme, <laughs> ultimate understanding, Buddha consciousness. I, uh, you said something about taking it during like a grieving period, which I think most people might shy away from. But there was a time a couple of years ago, four, I think four years, right? I thought I had cancer because I had this spot in my mouth and they were checking it to see if it was cancer. But that takes like two weeks. And so yeah. you're sitting there wondering if you have cancer for two weeks. And my genius ass decides to take mushrooms <laughs> during those two weeks. Cause I don't know, but you could, it, I saw myself di- like dying, like decrepit, like skinny bones dead. And I cried for myself. I was like, he was a good guy, <laughs> but, uh, you that's know. epic. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Was like, crazy. but then when you, and then when you got the news that it wasn't cancer and you'd gone through that, like what was the, I mean, obviously, just just relief, really. I don't really see. I, I need to keep a journal. You know, I don't. I mean, need to is a strong word, but it would be nice to reflect back. And that's kind of what this is. The pods. The pods. They're yeah. journals, video journals of. So that and I, I, you know, you could be like a straight interview, or we're having a conversation, and typically we're having a conversation because sure. I like to participate. But also, you know, and learning from new people, like, and then so I take what you're saying, and then we have a little dance and share experiences. It's great. It's a great form of communication. And like, as someone who consumes a lot of podcasts, it's like, it's probably the most, it's probably the most consistent medium that I consume because it's so passive. I can do it while I'm doing 10 other things. And it helps move that through. It helps Can move you, the process. Yeah. What's what are some of your favorite podcasts? I mean, I've been I've been a Joe Rogan fan for a long time. Yes. Before that, it was like Adam Carolla, like oh. the, the podcasting kicked off. Yeah. Um, and then um, uh, occasionally less consistently than I had before, but it was like the the Bulletproof podcast, okay. um, which is. Um, Oh man, his name's escaping me, but the guy who founded Bulletproof, yeah, all yeah. his products. I know who you're talking about. It's cool. He interviews some really interesting people I've been to. I'm not as into like his conjecture, but um, it's cool. It's, it's short enough and helpful to hear like some of these great authors and biohacking, you know, experts. Yes. Um, what else? I mean, I like, I like a lot of comedians. So I listen to Ari Shafir's podcast, The Skeptic Tank, I think is just like, yeah it's good entertainment it's funny i relate because it's a lot of like jewish humor woven uh, like, yeah, he's funny you know. he mentioned us on rogan a couple of weeks ago she, the sheath or rpg ari ari mentioned sheath they were talking about smuggling weed into uh, whatever <laughs> venues and he him it was him and uh tony hinchcliffe and sure enough he was like dude sheath underwear is really good for for that you know has a pouch and but rogan wasn't taking the bait he didn't like oh really tell me more about sheath underwear he like switched it over to some other topic probably i wonder if that's yeah i wonder if that's like part of his kind of deal like you know it's not like an obvious thing but it's like hey if something's coming up that's not this sponsor right but actually there there should be like first thought was like a blog article, but then you're exposing the whole world to this potentially like secret pocket situation. But there should be like a whole genre of like clothing. Like my buddy um, Samuel, who has this company, Infinity Hoods, they all his stuff tends to have these little secret like zipper pockets. So it's nice. like, what what is that for? Well, it's like you know festival and like party type gear, so it's obvious what it's for. But there's like a lot of not so obvious ones that are like helpful you know until we get to the point where you can just have your things like out and it's safe and we can like get them tested at the festival like whatever like we should for now well we need to like protect ourselves and keep it secret because 
you know, the powers that be want to like come down hard when you have, you know, a gram of something that isn't lethal anyway. But I know. <laughs> yeah. Stay out of my fucking business, weirdos. Mind your own business. Yeah. You have better things to do. We have like world hunger to solve and climate change. And you're worried about some MDMA or weed. I, yeah. Yeah. I do like that idea though, of writing a blog article. But then, um, but then it's like we've revealed the secret. But then again, like it's like, what kind of underwear are you wearing? <laughs> yeah, like, come on, like, like they can't be doing that. <laughs> no, yeah, so. and eh, it's like an open secret. And so, right. the idea would be to just put it out there for for a publicity kind of stunt. There was this company that came out when we came out. We did a Kickstarter, you know, and you know what Kickstarter is. Sure. Yeah. You know Kickstarter? Okay. And it was called like bootlegger underwear and it had a zip up pou- a pouch right where our pouch is, but you put a flask in there and it's for like the alcoholics in your life. Get right. some boot- bootlegger underwear. And, and then another company called Sly underwear. That was one of the, when we were first starting, I was doing research into manufacturers and, our manufacturer actually sent us a sample from Sly saying we made underwear for them. And I was, I was like, I looked into it and they had a pouch, a little, I mean like a little Sly uh-huh, pocket uh-huh. sneaker weed in. So it's a thing. Ours has many functions. Yeah. Pouch. I, I like the. I, I got a pair from you and we were at the retreat and yeah. I'm just thinking, I'm like, I've worn like the Lulu underwear for a long time and, and I have liked it for a while, but over time, like the production is just kind of like lost something about uh, it. it happens, and yeah. right. And so I'm pretty, pretty confident that like the sheath underwear that I have is like my favorite pair. Oh, and yeah. I need to just commit to the idea of like, okay, I'm slowly going to transition like out when these pairs, as they wear out, like add a sheath in there. Cause it's always like in my stack of laundry, my wife will like fold some up and I'm like putting it away. I'm like, Oh, when am I going to, I'm like, those are for like a day when I, you know, need to be really comfy or like a hike or a totally. So I need to commit that to memory to just be like, this is the transition of my, my undergarment wardrobe. Yeah, you have to, we, we should send, let's, uh, tell Matt or, you know, whatever. We can just send you, send you a nice little care pack just for coming on the pod. That'd be great to hook you I up love it. for taking the time to sit here and chat with me. That's a great ending point they are very comfortable they are special occasion underwear but they're also for every occasion go to sheathunderwear.com use promo code rpg and save 20 percent off your order we actually have a spring sale happening that uh you know so you can take advantage of that david reddish thank you so much for joining me today that's kind of like our time perfect Um, when's your but when's your next event yeah let's see what should we promote so probably before the pod comes out but um with a couple brothers uh bill burns mike brincatelli who i think you've had on the the pod yeah Yeah. we're doing a a three-week long cohort sort of like uh, every tuesday an in-person council every saturday like uh, an immersive in-person experience sweat lodge medicine ceremony and uh, conscious combat, grappling, wrestling, boxing. So, no way. And we're spreading it out throughout our lives so that we get that impact that a retreat has, but then we go home afterwards. So we're actually integrating what's coming up and then bringing it back to the container because that, that's real life. Um, Are we taking medicine at these things? There's one, one, one event has medicine. I think it's um, mushrooms. Yeah. Um, and... Um, yeah, so that's going on. There'll be a like a 12-week version of that in the fall, it looks like. So this is sort of our prototype kickoff. Um, and, and then in the Denver area? Yeah, this one's in the Denver area. And if you, um, I think the website's like authentiq.com. And then the, the group that we've been gathering is the Tribe of Brothers. Um, and we've got like a private social network, a Mighty Networks, and just you know, growing this community of men in like the front range Colorado area that are, that want to gather, that want to do this work, that want to host events, that want to lead their own experiences. So we're really just trying to get organized. So, yeah. Nice. The vision is there. You just make it happen. There's plenty of healing in the world that needs to be done. A lot of guys, a lot of women, guys, 
fucking lost in their own heads and shit trying to figure it out like we all are so it's good to know you know like there's people out there doing this work to help everyone i think you know just come back together and get off your phones and get connected that's a, it doesn't take much yeah you got you got to show up and just do that little bit everything opens up that's the hard part showing up right then then the rest is you're there but thank you for showing up thank you all for showing up here today we'll be back next week um have a great weekend thank you david bye everyone thanks brother